Hi, I'm Jade Madison Scott. I am the Vita creator and producer of Small Victories. And today is a special day because, well, I say that about every, well, you don't know that yet. Today's a special day because we have Nathan Gabriel in the house. Hey, Nathan, how are you? Hey, hey, everybody. Woo-hoo. Uh, <laughs> all right, Nathan. So before we get into the nitty and gritty of all this, can you just take some time to explain like who you are, what makes you tick, and then after you do that, uh, explain who you are to the production specifically. Okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Nathan Gabriel, and I am a uh, theater director and an educator. I love radio drama, so working on a Small Victories has been one of the big joys of my life, and for this production, I am the director and sound designer, uh, which means I uh, have my fingers in every little aspect of this. I, I work with Jade with the scripts. We uh, then talk about uh, sound design and how that can support her writing. And then we bring actors into it and we work with the actors to, uh, as well. And we talk about how the acting of each individual scene. All right, clear, succinct. I appreciate that by the books language of yours. So uh, a fun little background for the audience. The way me and Nathan came to know each other was in like the winter of 2019 when there was a chill upon the land and nothing was really happening. A professor of mine reached out to Nathan, totally independent of my knowledge and connected us and was like, hey, this person writes and like you direct and look at that, that could be something. Um, and then I sent Nathan three scripts of those three scripts. He chose small victories as the one he wanted to work on. So I just want to ask you, Nathan, like, what about small victories out of the three scripts that I gave to you? Like, what about that one really made you say like, yes, that's the one that I think could really like be a a fun way to spend my time. So I really liked, um, all three of the scripts you gave me, but the thing I was drawn to with small victories was the amazing cliffhanger ending of episode one. It really hooked me, and I felt that even though I was not similar to Marisol in a lot of ways, I completely understood her motivations. Uh, I really feel like she's a universal character, and those are good signs for me as a director. If I feel like I relate to the characters and I like the plot structure, that means that it's probably a project that I should be working on. All right. Wonderful. So let's speed forward a little bit in our flashback. It's the end of the season one series recording production session. Uh, It ends with the stabbing. Spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't heard it. But it ends with Marisol being stabbed by Aaron and bleeding out on the floor and him crying and calling the police. What did you you think about that ending? Because there was a lot of discussion about how that story was going to end. And you mean Virginia had like a lot of back and forth over like what the right ending would be. So like when you got to that season one ending, what were your thoughts? And then how did you think season two was going to go from there? I always appreciate when stories um, can end. And what I really liked about the season one ending was that even if there was no season two, it was still a satisfying ending. Like there was a conclusion. Um, But it smartly also worked as a forward to if there is a season two, 
um, you you want to know what happens to Marisol. But if there isn't a season two, you get to pick your ending. And I'm one of those people that really likes when things end a little ambiguously. Uh, because I believe that all storytelling is just a mirror on who's watching it anyway. And that's when the mirror is most present, is when you have to decide what the story's going to be and it, and what that says about you. Okay, I can see that. Like, her getting stabbed could be, maybe she survives, maybe she doesn't, and whatever you choose is kind of like a reflection on your own, stand, uh, your own beliefs 100% and things like that. 100% correct. I also, but like, it's not just that story. All storytelling is really that. But whenever you have an ambiguous ending like that, that's when it's so um, apparent that that's what's going on. So when you did learn that there was going to be season two, like what did you want season two to look like? What were you looking forward to seeing and being further explored there? That's a really good question. Why, thank you. Well, I'm trying to come up with like a smarty pants director answer, but the true answer uh, is... I was re I, I first operated as a fan of the show where like I just couldn't wait to see what was gonna happen. And so when I got those scripts, you know, Virginia and I, who also works on the show, uh, tore through them. And we were consuming them not as um, producers, but as consumers. And we were just excited to see what was gonna happen with some of our favorite characters. And I think that's, how everybody consumes stories at first. And that's what makes like first read so important because you never get that experience back. From then on, it's all about like, okay, it's really cool that she's introduced this character, but now we have to cast it. And like, well, how are we gonna do that? You know, the, the physical realities of making something. Uh, but that first read is so magical because you get to experience it as an audience member. And so, from that time you took that first read in season two to like the time that we wrapped on season two a couple of weeks ago to like even right now as you're still editing and designing everything. Since you spent a lot of time with it, I just want to know like how do you how would you describe season two in five words? I would describe season two as romantic, dark, comedic, upsetting. And Aaron. You are such a big fan of Aaron. <laughs> yeah, he's a really interesting villain. And his arc is one of the most fun in the whole show. He's a, he's, he's a delight. I also okay. like the, um, I don't I, you know, know Cody personally, but I love his performance. I think that the Aaron is there in the writing, but Cody really brings it to life in a way that's unique and special and that I always enjoy hearing. I think that in a le in less capable hands, Aaron could become a stereotype, but Cody brings complete three-dimensionality to him in a way that makes me really love the character. Oh, absolutely. Cody D. Smith, you're never going to hear me talk bad about him. He's such a delight of a guy, and he's such like a good everyman. He's just so charming and just generally likable that like making Aaron, who you're right, could be like the like a really bad like 80s Reagan era like stereotype of what a, a black drug dealer is, like he Cody because Cody's just such a a cool dude just makes Aaron seem like a cool dude with some really severe anger issues you know yeah to me Aaron because of the what Cody has brought to it Aaron now feels like a really nice guy who's really intelligent but due to the circumstances of his life has to do really horrible things 
the best kind of villain. My favorite kind yeah. of villain. <laughs> yeah. And not even necessarily a villain in season two, but just a, an antagonist. And even that becomes more complex uh, in season two. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that was really important to me as the writer was expanding the ideas and arcs that were established in season one while still creating and integrating new methods and characters to keep the show exciting and fresh. And so as the director, what were your intentions going into the season and how did you try to bridge the two seasons together so they both so they felt both cohesive and distinct? That happened a lot in the um, pre-show work with you. Uh, I remember we had a lot of conversations where I was like, this is really interesting and, and I'm glad you're doing it, but it doesn't feel like season one. And then I remember we had conversations about whether that was good or bad and why it didn't happen and what we were going to do to to continue to mold and shape things and feel like season one. Um, so a lot of that work happened up front. Uh, sound design wise, I have all the same influences that I had from season one. So the show should still, um, in terms of just the audio quality and the production values, um, be cohesive to season one. One thing I like that we're doing different from season one is we are continuing to, we are pushing the boundaries of what we can do in sound design to constantly play with the idea of the audience in the fourth wall, which just started to happen at the end of season one. And I love that it it's going so much further in season two. And that's one of my favorite things. You mentioned in that uh, answer of yours, you mentioned that you had you, you were pulling from the same sort of influences. What exactly are your sound design and directing influences? Um, for this show, so for every show, I have um, I choose an image and some music that like are the production for me. And for this, the music is um, the the musical artist is Labyrinth. But the song is genius, a little collaboration from him and see with him and Sia. And so whenever I'm unsure what something should feel like, I go back and listen to that song and remind myself that that is the vibe that I'm trying to give the show. And then I and I um, that, that usually guides me about what to do next. So he's like the patron saint musically of this this, this show. That's fun, especially since Small Victories has a lot of superficial similarities with Euphoria, and he's a really big form in that, too. I know, and I've never seen Euphoria. I didn't know that. Oh, uh, Nathan, you got to see Euphoria, but that's going to be an offline conversation. <laughs> okay, so um, as the sound designer, you also have quite a lot of influence and control over the episode that the audience like actually hears. So during your editing process, like, how do you decide what exactly gets to stay or what gets cut because sometimes like you end up cutting like entire scenes out the show or like lines or like rearranging dialogue so like how do you determine like what goes where in that way so for each scene that you write we do at least three takes and you know take a, a take b and a take c and while the actors are recording i am marking down what takes i like the best and specifically for what lines now Nine times out of 10, take C is going to be the predominant take because the more you do something, the more subtlety you can bring to it and the better you generally tend to get at it. Um, so a lot of times the scripts are primarily take C, but then we take um, you know certain lines and certain sections from take A and take B and we, I, I intercut them 
into the scene because, you know, perhaps if the character has to cry, the cry just felt more organic in take B than it did in take C, and that, that'll go back in. Um, what ultimately stays and what ultimately goes comes down to the difference between um, being hearing something in just straight audio. There are times where stuff works because we're on Zoom and we have the actors in the room and they are playing off of one another, but without that physical energy, it just loses something, which is when stuff finally hits the cutting room floor. But I will say that's rare. You are writing really, really well for audio. Oh, well, thank you very much. I try very, very hard. Um, all right, this has been this has been really fun. But you know, like rummaging up upon that 15 minute mark. And thusly, we are gonna start winding down also because the Zoom time is running out. But we have on our final two questions. So the first question is, what episode are you most excited for the audience to hear in season two? Um, the Is it episode seven? Is that the one that both Mo and I love? Uh, Borrowed Blue. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Oh, man. Episode seven, y'all. It's uh, the, the plotting and the pacing is so rapid. Um, and the surprises that get thrown at Marisol are so delightfully huge and the performers do a great job it all came together I remember that was one of those episodes where it was like when we did the takes we're like man take a might be it because everything just synced up right away and it was it was easy it was one of the few times where it's easy to like just have the actors do it and do it great uh it was it was a lot of fun you know Virginia chose that episode too Oh my gosh, so that's three people who love episode seven. It's clearly, that's clearly the episode. Mm, mm-hmm. All right, and our last question, how are you gonna celebrate the premiere on August 3rd? I'm gonna celebrate the premiere on August 3rd the same way I celebrate all the premieres of Small Victories, which is by obsessively listening to the episode in my car and hearing every little little thing and thinking about how that's gonna influence future episodes. 